Hello, ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host, and thanks for taking time out of your busy day to tune in with me today. Last week, we took a really slow pace because the first three chapters of Genesis have so much information that is necessary in understanding the rest of the Bible. From now on, we'll have to cover a lot of ground in each of our sessions in order to get a comprehensive view of the Bible as a whole. If by chance you do have any questions, you can send me those questions at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. And so uh, we're going to do a quick review of what we looked at at Genesis last week. Uh, Genesis, the word means beginnings. And so we have the beginning of the creation of the world. And this creation was purposeful and with design. Then we have the first man and woman. And there's distinction between humanity and all other creation, by, especially by the words that we were made in the image of God. Then we learned about Anselm of Canterbury, an old church guy, uh, who said that the first man came from God, the first woman came from Adam, and then all other humans came from Adam and Eve, except from Jesus, who just came from Eve. So that shows that humanity, we are all connected together. In Adam, because he sinned, Eve fell into sin, In Adam, we have all sinned, and yet God promised the serpent that a seed from Eve will someday crush him. We have talked about the first children born from Adam and Eve, and now we are moving on from them to take a look at the first nations that were found in the world. This leads us to chapter 5, which ends with Noah was 500 years old, and he had Shem Ham and Japheth. I'm one of those people that believe when it says that they lived that long, but how could that possibly be? Possibly because of no pollution, no viruses. It could be that God extended their lives so that they could have more children, which could then intermarry, create all of the people of the world. There's lots of views out there and feel free to research what you think about that. So in chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, is an interesting section. There's a lot of questions and nobody really knows the answers to, but there's a lot of talk and thought about it, about how the sons of God intermarries with the daughters of men. And is this talking about angels? Is it possibly talking about Cain and his descendants? We don't know. And ladies, for me, I love that. I love that I don't know because it reminds me that there is a God above who knows more than I do and hallelujah for that. And this God knows more than you do as well. And we go to him to try to seek that wisdom. So, but some things we do see in this passage of scripture. Number one, uh, it's the beginning of men not living quite so long. It says man's years will be down to around 120 years. We know that there was evil that had become great in the land and it grieved God's heart. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know, ladies, we live in a difficult time these last few years. Many things, we watch the news and it grieves our hearts. And if it grieves our hearts, we know that it grieves the Lord's. But when God looks down on you, 
Does he see the someone who grieves his heart? Or does he see the someone who has found grace in the eyes of the Lord? There is a New Testament verse, Romans 15, verse 4. And this was written by the Apostle Paul. And he says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement that they provide, we might have hope. So one of the reasons that we read through the Old Testament is we see these people who have struggled with sin. Again, sometimes it's sin in their own lives. Sometimes it's sin that they see in the world, but they endure through it And we see from them that they endured, we can endure, and we can find hope in the future because of the promises of God that we see in the Old Testament. So in chapter 6, we see Noah and his sons built the ark. And in chapter 7, it says that Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came on the earth. So it took him about 100 years to finish building this boat. Uh, when I think about that, I think about, again, goes back to Hebrews, one of my favorite New Testament books. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it's called like the Old Testament heroes of the faith. And there we see creation. There we see Abel and his blood that still cries out. There we see Enoch, the one that didn't die because he was with God. And then verse six says this, without faith, It is impossible to please him, meaning God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And then verse 7, we see, By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen. He hadn't even seen rain before, and now he's building a boat because God told him he's going to flood the place. But in reverence, He prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. So here we have the people of the faith. Because Noah believed, he built the ark, which saved he and his family and all of the animals, male and female. And then the Bible says that the Lord shut the door. The Lord protected him from the flood. Then in chapter 6, verse 9, we see the generations of Noah, that section, that dividing up. And we see the three sons again, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So chapter 8 starts with God remembered Noah. Derek Kidner wrote in his commentary, the Old Testament says God remembered. That combines the idea of faithful love and timely intervention. So God looks down, Noah is in the boat, and it says God remembered Noah. God's faithful love to Noah and his timely intervention. It's now time to do something. So the flood waters go down. Finally, Noah and his family and the animals can leave the boat. 
chapter 9, verse 1 says that God blessed Noah and his sons and told them to be fruitful and multiply and to replenish the earth. Continuing in chapter 9, verses 8 and 9, God spoke to Noah and his sons and said, I will establish my covenant with you and with your seed, singular, after you. So here we see the first time the word covenant is used. It's a a contract. And this one is with God and with all humanity about the flood, not flooding the earth again with water. He promises that there is a bow in the clouds and that is a token of his covenant. And then verse 15 says, and I will remember. Verse 16 says that I may remember. Verse 17 says that the bow is a token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh upon the earth. It makes me think of, you know, how I will take a note and write a note down so that I will remember not to do this or I will remember to get this at the store. And the every time we see a rainbow, it says that, that God remembers his covenant that he made with us. For me, it helps me to remember that God has made a covenant to never flood the earth again. Then following that is a first recorded shame incident after the fall. That's the best way I knew how to describe it. So we have Noah. He planted a vineyard. He drank wine. He got drunk. He was naked in his tent. His son Ham saw it and told his brothers and probably not in a very respectful way. And then Shem and Japheth took a blanket, they walked backwards, and they covered their father's nakedness without looking at him and without shame. There's a lot of similarities with this story and the Adam and Eve story. For instance, Noah partook of the fruit, which led him to get drunk, which led him to be naked. Adam and Eve were naked, and then their son, his sons covered them. Adam and Eve, shame was covered by God making the first sacrifice. And so it did not take long in this new world for sin to show its ugly head again. Interestingly, the son Ham, when Noah wakes up from his little stupor, he actually curses Canaan, which is the grandson of Ham, instead of the curse going to Ham. Which And Ham was the youngest son, by the way. But then he blessed Shem and said, May the Lord God of Shem be blessed, and Canaan will be his servant. And then with Japheth, that he shall be enlarged, and Canaan shall be his servant. And then that leads us to chapter 10, the another division of the generations of the sons of Noah. And then it breaks down through Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and it goes more into each of their family lines. One of the things uh, to help me, I'm bad with names, and so for me to help remember which son was it that was blessed and which son was cursed, I came up with this idea of, oh yeah, okay, Ham, the son of Ham, well, the Israelites are kosher, and so they don't eat 
ham or bacon or any form of pig. So that's like, ah, okay. So ham was the one that was cursed. And if you notice in his line, we see Babel, which comes in the next chapter, Nineveh, which is with Jonah, and then it goes the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, and other ites. Uh, also in that line is Sodom and Gomorrah. And so we see the trickling effect of Canaan being cursed. Then we see Shem. And I realized even just a week ago that the Semitic languages, the word Semitic comes from the word Shem. And so he is the blessed one. And that now that I have that connection in my mind, I can keep and set apart the three sons of Noah. In Shem, we see in verse 25, one of his descendants is Peleg. And for in his days, when the earth was divided... And so I remember, I think I was in late grade school and I was in science class and they were talking about the plates underneath the earth and how uh, they will connect and hit and how scientists believe that the earth, the continents were all connected and it was, whether it was an earthquake or something where the earth became divided into the different continents, etc. And my teacher showed me like a puzzle how the continents are broken up and how it looks like they fit together. And it was one of those aha moments to me of realizing that the earth that we think of now was not necessarily the earth that Noah and the first humans lived on. Uh, it could have very likely, and I believe that it was, all connected, which made it possible for people then to go and to disperse throughout the world. And it seems to have happened in the days of Peleg. And so with Japheth, his description is the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands. And then after each of these three sections, it's, it says from after his tongue and his families in the nations. So here we see the beginning of the nations, the countries, and the kingdoms, and how they are divided. And then that leads us into chapter 11, which starts in a sense of a new story, that how the whole earth was had one language. And so this is describing then how, yes, as from one family, they all had one language, but then how they began to separate. Another thing that's interesting is that here, the Tower of Babel, that's in the land of Shinar, or Shinar, and that's mentioned in 11 chapter 11, verse 1, but that is also mentioned in Ham's descendants that they were in the land of Shinar. So this is, again, showing us that picture of the cursed line. And so lots of things we don't understand. Why would God want to divide up the languages? One, a couple of things that we can see for sure. It says, let us make a name for ourselves. So the people were looking for pride and looking for glory for themselves and not living for God. And secondly, they were going to settle down in one place. But instead, God's command 
to uh, all of them was to be fruitful, to multiply, and to replenish the earth and to go forth. And I also think that this command is a picture that God's plan was not just for the Jewish nation, but that God's plan was for the whole earth. And we'll get pictures of that later on as we read through both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then we do get in verse 7 that God says, let us go down and confuse their languages. Again, for those who are Christians and we believe in the Trinity, we see this plurality as a picture of that as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But just keep in mind that the Jewish people who read the Hebrew Bible at the time did not see that because they believed in one God. And we also Christians believe in one God in three people. And we are not going into the Trinity today. So let's move on. At the end of chapter 11, we see Shem's family recording. And it goes, again, these are the generations of Shem's family. And it goes all the way down to Terah. And then in verse 27, we see the generations of Terah. And from Terah, he has three sons, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Then it goes on that Haran died. Haran had uh, two children, Milcah and Lot. Abram took a wife and her name was Sarai. Nahor took a wife, and which was Milcah, which was Haran's daughter. And then it says that they lived in Ur of the Chaldees. They left Ur, so Terah, Abram, his wife Sarai, and Lot left the Ur of the Chaldees to the land of Canaan to Haran and dwelt there. Right before it says that, it says Sarai, which later on we will know her as Sarah, but Sarai was barren and she had no children. This is the first of a few women who were barren. And I did not realize how important this statement was until I realized the promise of the seed of the woman. Because she was barren, there was a hopelessness that came from that. But one of the things that we will find, again, after these two New Testament passages, we look and we will see her struggle starting tomorrow. But in the midst of this sorrow, God is making a way for a miracle. And that miracle will ultimately come to the Lord Jesus Christ. So ladies, wherever you're at in your life today, maybe today's a great day and you're starting off well. It could be that you don't have a lot of hope today. You know, you look at the news and you think, what's happening? But one of the things we will find in this Old Testament scripture is that God is faithful to those who are faithful to him. God blesses those who seek his face and seek his ways. So ladies, let's be those women of faith that God will use and look down upon and be thankful that he has poured out his grace upon us. So today, ladies, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Let us walk in obedience. Until next time, 
and may the Lord bless you today.